I'm Ben. And I'm Ben. And this is Ben's on a Mission. Welcome back. This is our fourth episode. And Ben, how are we doing today? How's Alaska? How's Fairbanks? Uh, doing well. Uh, right now, there's like a major winter storm apparently happening in the lower 48. I think we're going to get it at night, but I haven't seen it yet. So, How long is your day right now? We're, we're up to eight hours of sunlight. <laughs> That's so crazy. I'm, I'm, things are looking up over here. Wow, yeah. <laughs> how's, well, how's things in Boise today? It's snowing, which is interesting. Yeah, you say that. I guess I didn't know that. In my head, Alaska was so far away that I didn't know if like any weather correlation would happen. But yeah, I guess we're sending it up to you. But it's sunny. It's nice. It's supposed to be warm next week. And uh, feeling good. Feeling good. Awesome. Today's episode is about relationships. We did an episode a little while back about Christ-like friendships and thought it was great. And today we're going to take a little bit more of a look at romance and romance and romantic relationships and the crossovers between romantic relationships and friendships and kind of the purpose of relationship as a whole. Um, we're going to start with the wider umbrella about relationship in general to narrow it down a little bit to romantic relationships and Ben's going to interject a lot of uh, good scripture quotes that he has picked out, and uh, we're going to discuss some things about relationships as a couple guys who are in relationships. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited as well. I think this is <laughs> going to be a cool topic to to explore. Uh, I I know in the, in Catholic circles, there's a lot of speakers that are aimed at talking about relationships. Yeah, and I hope that we can add a unique perspective to that yeah. Uh, realm yeah totally agree so i want to hear your thoughts on this especially ben but what i think relationships and i think purpose and maybe this is something i've been thinking about more recently but i think that one of the ultimate goals of relationship in general is to help you get outside of yourself which is a massive theme i think i've been thinking about in the scope of christianity and religion in general but there's this similarity of pouring yourself out into relationships and friendships and um, giving of yourself to other people that is indicative of what Christ does for us, obviously. And when we have relationships, we're forced to reach outside of ourselves, which is exactly what God wants us to do in, in our lives. Um, it helps you to break free from self-sufficiency, which is one of the vices of Christian life is we need to understand and learn about our ultimate dependency on God and relationships are the most practical way to understand that and, and practice that. What kind of thoughts do you have about that, especially about maybe who we are as people and the, our relational nature then? Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about how relationships are aimed to get outside of yourself because uh, naturally we are a relational people as human beings. You know, when God created man, he said man should not be alone. So he created him a, a companion. And I think that that is fundamental throughout history, not just Christian history, but uh, the history of the world and how peoples who gathered in community ultimately rose above those that were individualistic based uh, so I think when talking about relational us being relational people and relationships I think it comes back to this intrinsic piece of us as humans that are 
ordered towards being in relationship with each other. I think that's a really interesting thing that I don't know if I've thought about, which is like we have this natural tendency to want to be in relationship, but at the same time we have this natural inclination to like shut ourselves within ourselves. Like there's a there's a weird duality that exists there. I which I guess you could say for like a lot of things. It's like we there's that saying of like we at our core we desire God, but we also are like fallen people so we desire other things it's a weird tension that i've never thought of before well it's so interesting that you say that because i think and this is a whole other rant that we can do three four episodes on but like Mm -hmm. the fallenness of our nature i think is is so deeply connected to this idea of self selfishness versus selflessness you Mm -hmm. know where where people called to selflessness but at the same time the temptation to be selfish can overpower that uh, and and cause a lot of bad things Uh, so a a good example of this that i like to think about is um, is nietzsche Uh, i love arguing with him and uh, i like to argue with him because he talks about the idea of the uberman you know this idea that ultimate power lies in you becoming the best you that you can be achieving that sort of superiority over others but i think that that argument often falls so short because what do you do once you're there you know you've there's no nowhere to go because there's no exchange or interplay with another person yeah if you're just continually to try to like push yourself inwards and become become better uh, yeah and so i think it's i think talking about that, that that duality is really interesting when and we'll explore that more going into relationships how one of the biggest struggles we face is that selfishness versus selflessness yeah one of my absolute favorite i don't know christian things that i think about a lot and it occupies my mind and it's related to this idea of like the uberman and um G.K. Chesterton has this analogy that, like, uh, a lot of our tendencies as as human beings is to make ourselves into a closed-off thing, like, make ourselves a circle. Like, a circle is infinite. It kind of speaks to that desire that Nietzsche, like, sees people pursuing is to become, like, infinite in and of yourself, but a circle is also closed and and the more that we strive to become completely selfish or independent, the more that we're solidifying and making ourselves like stone. And what Christ does is, is come in and break right through this circle that we want to be. And uh, this is maybe a little bit of an extension, but G.K. Chesterton talks about his idea of the symbolism of a cross is that it's exactly the opposite of a circle because it's, it's it's fixed on something in the center but it's ever ever expanding ever growing it's infinitely more infinite than a circle like a you could draw a cross and make it go on forever and ever and it's expanding and growing and it has a purpose um versus a circle something completely contained within itself doesn't have any purpose and it's just kind of sedentary so for what it's worth that's one of my favorite kind of I think Christ's emphasis on relationship is to help us break open from being 
circles. <laughs> as as weird as that sounds, I think there's a lot of accuracy to it. No, I agree. I really like that G.K. Chesterton quote. Yeah, I think that's that image is so powerful. Yeah. So I wanted to take this into uh, just what's the most practical relationships in our own lives right now, Ben, which is our our uh, wife and <laughs> I gotta watch the way I say it. my wife and your fiance. <laughs> no, our wife, our wives and, and our fiancés. fiancés. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so, what's the purpose of a romantic relationship? And here's my thought. I'm sure there's a million right answers to this, but I think it's to experience that same idea of the self-sacrifice of Christ's love and get to experience that. I think that my wife is the most sacramental thing in my life. And by sacrament, I mean that like a, a very literal definition of sacrament, which is like a, a outward sign of God, right? It's mm-hmm. She's the most sacramental thing in my life besides the Eucharist, which is literally God. Like, so every day... I get to spend, well, not all day. We have to work, but I get any time I'm around here. I get to spend like so much time with the thing in my life that is most most embodying God. Like it's crazy to get to be that close to God in a sense. It's, it's hard for me to like bring this down to earth in a way that I want to explain it more simply. But I don't know. Can you help me drive this point home at all? I think so, um, but of course I can fall significantly short because I'm I'm not a married man. Um, I I love what you're saying, and I, I get the beauty of it. Uh, I think that you know, truthfully speaking, I I I, I see it, but I can't um, elaborate on it because I think yeah. it's something that like is experiential to a degree. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that's the, that's the beauty of sacrament in general. Sacrament in general, yeah, is that it, the sacrament is an experience, and so saying that you know marriage is the closest thing to it, saying that your spouse is the most sacramental form of Christ outside of the Eucharist is this really powerful image of like the most direct way I encounter Jesus is in the body of Christ. The next most direct way I encounter him is through the person that I have become one body with. Yeah, right, right. I think I got part of this idea, you helped me jog my brain on this, is from some sort of story or maybe a a video I watched a long time ago about someone who was, like, experiencing a lot of turmoil because they they thought that they were supposed to actually become, like, a religious sister, I think was this video. They thought they were supposed to be, and they were married, so they were experiencing this thing of, like, feeling so bad like they had the wrong vocation like they really loved their husband but it it, something wasn't feeling right and in this moment of prayer jesus is giving her this image of her husband and then oh sorry he starts with (laughs) jesus is giving her this image of himself and then kind of like takes his hand and kind of wipes it in front of his face and it becomes her husband and then he takes his hand and wipes it in front of his face again and it's back to jesus and jesus says like do you understand what I'm telling you? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and I think that, you know, it was an incredibly monumental moment in prayer for her, but that's sort of like really stuck with me of like every day I am like, I get to experience Jesus, you know, not literally, but I get to like 
I get to make small choices every day with like I'm laying down my life for my wife. I'm I'm doing things like I don't want to do the dishes right now, but like she's busy doing like classwork or something, and it's like I need to lay down my own desires for her, and in this way, mm-hmm. I'm getting to do that directly for God at the same time. So I I've just been very. This is funny because talking to you, it, it, like I remember calling. You, you and I caught up a couple months after I got married, and I, this is like, I'm so grateful to have you as a friend, because I, I remember, like, launching two seconds into the phone conversation about, I was like, married life is great, and I kind of went on this tangent about, like, yeah, this idea, and um, just, I was appreciative to be, like, so candid with you, but it was also, like, it's it's been on the forefront of my mind, and I think it's been such a helpful thing to keep in mind while being married. Um how do you feel as a man who is preparing to get married? I I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday about like the, the uniqueness of being engaged and like you're, you're waiting and you're patiently like preparing. And I don't know, what is your, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this waiting time? I think, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm very grateful for it. So when Jules and I, we're talking about getting married we knew that we'd probably have a bit of a longer engagement so our engagement's going to end up being about a year and a half total before we actually get married and both of us are okay with that because we really do see this period of engagement as being a, f- a deeper time to discern are what's happening so we've we've made the decision that we want to commit ourselves to each other well now that we know that what do we need to discern to make that the best commitment we can make it and so it's really spiritual in the sense of i have to look inward at myself for example and i have to ask myself what are things i need to improve so that when i make that final vow you know, on the, on the altar, I'm going to be the best me at that moment that I can present to her yeah. and vice versa. And so it's, it's this really great opportunity in which we, we've had a lot of fun kind of peeling back the, the curtain and asking some of these really difficult questions, things that we've talked about plenty of times while we were dating, but now it has more weight to it. You know, what is something that you struggle with spiritually that you think is keeping you from being a a giving spouse or a giving partner yeah Um, what is something that you think is uh, a a trait that helps you be a giving partner stuff like that and so it's just this it's this great time in a romantic relationship where opposite of what i think that the trend in society is oh they're engaged so they're basically married you know, people yeah. will move in together. Um, people will essentially just do things as if they're married. And we're trying to really make it clear that we aren't married. We intend to be married. Yeah. And we intend to, you know, two to become one. But until then, we still need to discern how we can best achieve that. And yeah. I think it's kind of that's how we look at it at the moment. But at the same time, it's it's really fun. You know, I, I think 
listening to what I just said might sound intimidating or like, oh, it's you're taking it too seriously. And it's like, no, no, this is like the time where we could have a lot of fun um, because we could kind of plan what we want our future to look like. Yeah. We get to discuss, you know, things that we want to instill in our future family, our future relationship, you know. Um, so it, it, it's it's a really interesting mix of inward reflection, outward working together and balancing kind of these really heavy things with these really exciting things. I love that idea. I, I love that perspective of you're like also getting to look forward to all this. Like you're, you are like, there's a reason to be really excited about it. And you like, I like the idea of getting to have fun with the planning and the expectation of it. I just think that's cool. And I think that maybe there's a small group of maybe Catholic people I know, or a Catholic sector. That's like, yes, there is like, this is a serious thing, but you, don't take it too seriously like you're you're gonna weed out the joy if you don't if you don't kind of acknowledge it a little bit so in catholic circles there's um i don't know if you've ever heard of the i think it's 669 is what they what they call it you know you're you're dating for six months you're engaged oh. for six months and then nine months later you have your first oh kid. <laughs> i um, haven't heard that but i'm that's funny like that it's it's something that i feel like people do and to me it's like i I, you know i don't i don't want to cast judgment on saying like they rushed it or anything but part of me wonders like you know did you take that appropriate amount of time uh yeah you know to prepare yourself because kind of a segue from this and you might laugh at me or, or think this is a strange thought but like being engaged and waiting like this process of waiting and preparing has made me understand like the, the church's teaching on like sex a lot more. Mm, uh, yeah. And, and like the beauty of it. Cause yeah. like thing, things that aren't sex related, for example, just like the idea of getting to, you know, we, we don't live together. So like every night when we're hanging out, we have to go home to, you know, a different, different place. And so just the idea of not having to do that someday is really exciting to me. Yes. Um, right. Right. Or, or, you know, sharing meals and like budgeting together and things like that. These things that are really fun and I'm looking forward to doing. And then I catch myself being like, wow, I wonder if this is like what, (laughs) what the church means when they talk about like that beauty of waiting for, you know, sharing that sexual intimacy. Cause it's like, then I think about that and I'm like, Oh my God, that's going to be so incredible. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's really cool that I, I think I've gotten to understand that even better because of being engaged. Yeah. Well, I had a friend, this is branching off of this. But I had a friend once encouraged me to pray with the seasons of the liturgy or seasons of the church. And like, for instance, when it's Lent, you know, let your prayer reflect a little bit more of a Lenten tone, whatever that means. But where I'm going with this is like when it was, when I was engaged at like praying with the liturgy of, of the church, like was amazing because like in Advent is all about waiting and expectation and joyful hope. Like, and I was like, I am experiencing all of these things right now, like so practically in my life. And it became so easy to, 
pray with those things too. Like, and really experience that for the first time that I felt like I, I don't know, maybe ever had. I, it was like a cool thing. And, uh, it's so interesting that you're only engaged once and for a significant or sorry, for a short amount of time compared to the amount of time before you're engaged and the amount of time after you're engaged. And, uh, it's a cool time to get to grow in your spiritual life because it's, yeah, it's just short and it's unique and it's really cool. I don't know. Man, you're giving me so much more to pray about now. I'm so excited about this. Oh, cool. Good. I'm going to be, I'm I'm going to be reflecting on being engaged hardcore. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. Well, cool. Um, the next place I want to take this question, which I think is a good segue off of this is Ben. I want to pick your brain about the Catholic understanding of men and women because i i struggle to find a right like line here or maybe like i'm gonna i'm gonna say i want to obviously preface that like what most of the things i'm saying here are probably just opinion and i'm not (laughs) saying that these are catholic theology or maybe backed by anything and i i want to say that too to say take what i'm saying with a grain of salt or less but i think that there is like there is an obvious important difference between men and women. There's a reason God, there's a reason in Genesis it's says God created a man and women, you know, like, like that's if that's on purpose. So there's something distinctive, but in practice, like in my relationship, me being a man does not affect how I like treat or go about interacting with my wife. Like, I don't view my role as more of the provider, as more of the guardian or whatever. Like, because it doesn't it doesn't matter if my main purpose and my main goal is to love like Jesus loves. Like, Jesus was all of those things. He was protector. He was nurturer. He was the warrior. He was the lamb. You know, he was all of those things. So if my goal is to love like Jesus, then I'm doing what I need to do. And I, I just the idea of like manhood and womanhood, I think is like, there's something important about it, but I can't put my finger on it. And, but it doesn't mean it's not important. <laughs> I, what are your thoughts on this? I just think this is like a really interesting topic to kind of, yeah, like I said, toss it around. I don't want to take this so seriously. But I like because I, my opinions are just opinion at this point. But uh, what do you think about all this? No, th- thanks for asking. Um, hearing you talk about it, I think there's two distinctions that I want to touch on here. And the, the first is the idea of man and woman. And the other is the idea of feminine and masculine. So man and woman are you know, hard defined truths and realities. I'm sure I'll get an earful from somebody somewhere because I said that, (laughs) but it's true. And I, I'm not going to back down from that. However, I think we start skewing things when we try to take the idea of femininity and masculinity and use that to define what is man or what is woman. So hearing you talk about like, you don't feel intrinsically 
like you're the provider or something in in this in your marriage yeah uh, or like you have to be the guardian or, or protector that's fine okay I, I think that's perfectly okay because i think that idea isn't under what intrinsically makes you man or woman i think that idea falls under the idea of something that has been agreed to be more masculine than feminine mm. but that doesn't m- necessarily define manhood or womanhood. Yeah, if that, yeah, if you're yeah. Following. I think you're. I think you're speaking some truth that I agree with. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. Okay. So now the biggest issue that I always confront here is so that the notion of man and woman are complementary, but the notion yes. of feminine and masculine is something that can be uh, applied to both man and woman so all things considered um i'm i'm into some very i think what you would call feminine things but because i'm into these feminine things because i'm so let me let me put it this way because i do something that's feminine does not mean or define me as a woman yeah and on the flip side there are things that I do that I feel like are traditionally more masculine. Just because I do something that is traditionally more masculine, that thing which is masculine does not define yeah. my manhood. Right. You right, know, the right. masculinity and femininity are, um, it's like a spectrum that you can kind of apply things on where man and woman are defined hard terms, if that makes sense. Um, And I think the big thing is the complementary versus the fluidity. And I think today, where, where a lot of discussions come up and a lot of issues come up, is people want that fluidity that feminine and masculine has to apply to the definition of male and female. But then that complementary kind of goes away. And I think this is a prime example in, um, you know, if you look at someone who, who identifies as, as transgender, for example, think about how they present themselves as a man or a woman. Do they present them in ways that are capitalizing on stereotypes of something that is more masculine mm-hmm. or of something that's more feminine? Or are they, you know, I am this, therefore I am man. I yeah. am this, therefore I'm woman. You know, yeah. it's, it's again, we're taking the abstract idea of femininity and masculinity mm-hmm. and using those abstracts to define manhood and womanhood. Mm-hmm. But manhood and womanhood do not equate to just because something is more masculine or more feminine. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're spot on. I really think you are. I think that, well, I, I should say one of the reasons I really wanted to ask you and talk about this is because I, um, Marin and I are pretty involved with Catholic youth camp, which is a summer camp in Southwest Iowa. And this past summer we were there and one of the kids, there was like a panel, a question panel that we were on. And one of the kids asked high schoolers asked like, he was like, I don't, I don't feel very masculine. He's a guy. He's like, I don't feel very like masculine. Like, but I'm a man. Like, he's like, what do I, what am I supposed to do about that? Or like, how do I 
rectify that contradiction. And I hope that we spoke to the truth of it, which is basically a lot about what you said is like, you don't, you don't need to feel like a man because like, that's, that's not, that doesn't like change that you're a man. Like you don't have to feel strong. Like, I, I don't know if I've, Feeling strong is not a feeling I feel very often, Ben. I don't feel very strong, okay? Kind of a skinny twig of a guy. So, feeling strong is not something I experience very often. So, <laughs> to, like, yeah, he was like, I I just don't feel like I'm being the provider guy. Strong, buff dude, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, and that you don't need to. And I think that... I think you could even see in the answer, like, of the truth of that answer. I think that he was feeling very relieved by that because I think he felt like he had to live up to this expectation of being masculine, and it's not true. And uh, one more thing I wanted to add was just kind of an interesting theological note: is that the podcast Catholic stuff you should know, which I highly recommend. I really love that podcast. I think, it was, I think those guys are great. Uh, they're priests out of the diocese of Denver, I think, and. One of the really, it was a random podcast. One of the things that they said that stuck with me, which was very interesting because they're all very like orthodox, like Catholic priests. They're not out here trying to say something wild is like (laughs) one of them had this very good theological explanation of like every person, every man, woman is, is in the feminine disposition to God. Like we stand in the, because in the understanding of, what feminine might entail is receptivity. We are always receiving from God. So like mm, mm-hmm. we like it, feeling masculine or feminine is kind of arbitrary. And then you can kind of even extend on that and say, like we are all in, in this disposition of receiving from God. Like that's maybe a more accurate definition of even femininity or something. I, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Yeah. I'll take it even further there. You know, the church is the bride of the Christ, is the bride of Christ. Well, who right. is the church? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. We all have this uh, romantic relationship with Christ in, to a degree. It, and it's feminine. Yeah. It is feminine in, yeah. in, in its nature. And there's great beauty in that. And yeah. I think it, it goes to show the power of femininity. And, and the, like, s- specific graces that come from that intrinsic kind of design that, yeah. God, that God had put in us. Yeah. I think it's great. If I said anything wrong here, listeners, or something that you want to challenge or something, I, w- I would be very happy to. I think these ideas are super interesting. I'm a, I'm, I like the idea of just, like, talking about this and kind of trying to sort it out a little bit because I think that... I don't know. It, it, even I'm being very just opinion here, Ben. Like I get very bothered when I see things that are like how to be a man or the Catholic, the Catholic man podcast. Or I like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? I, I genuinely don't understand what you're talking about. Like you're wrong. I have, um, <laughs> go I, ahead, go ahead. I don't, I don't shy away from, talking about my discomfort or my displeasure with certain Catholic influencers who are 
in tune with that sort of identity yeah. of testosterone equals Catholic manhood. And it's like, right. you're not helping, actually. No, no you're when not. You're, when you're doing that. Yes, there's a place for that. But again, you're they're taking concepts and using the concepts to define rather than actually using the definition yeah. uh, of, right. of what, what they're trying to define. Yes, yeah. It's like, I'm not I'm not trying to dunk on guys who want to go, I don't know, shoot some guns in the woods. And I'm not trying to dunk on some women who insert stereotype, you know? But it's like, that's not that's not who you are. And it's weird to make your identity that. Like, it really well, is. You're more than that, too. Like, in my Yeah, exactly, experience. right. That's what so I'm like, trying to say, is, like, you're limiting yourself severely if you do that. Yeah, so, like, like even just looking at myself inwardly, it's like, yes, I own a gun. Yes, I love to drink whiskey. Yes, I, like, love playing sports. But at the same time, I love making a cozy tup- cup of tea and watching a rom-com. I love doing musical theater, which is often associated with a more feminine sort of degree and uh, I, I love hosting and cooking and like taking a domestic role to a degree mm. i'm i'm both yeah feminine and masculine yeah but i am a man and i think that's, cool. that's kind of how i conceptualize it yeah spot on i don't great, have much great, more to add great I, yeah, but... great brain picker there yeah um, <laughs> I, and I think kind of tying this into relationships, um, it's an important question to ask and an important kind of topic to, to explore because navigating relationships specifically between men and women is a unique thing. And again, we have to remember that like you might have, be friends with someone that you share a more feminine quality with but you might also be friends with someone that you share a more masculine quality with Mm -hmm. um we shouldn't get ourselves caught up though then in thinking that because i do something masculine or because i do something feminine i am man i am woman right this is so interesting i'm even thinking like i don't think i even view like jesus as masculine like with you know, in the, in the stereotypes of what masculine means. Like I, I, I like my image of Jesus always is, and I, I was saying this, like, don't, don't put these into categories yet. Like really don't, but it's like, I view Jesus as like comforter. A few Jesus is like gathering the people. A few Jesus mm-hmm. is like meeting, mm-hmm. meeting everyone. Like most, mostly like comforter, I think is my main word I would associate with Jesus. Like, and now, you know, if you want to put that into a category, people would say maybe comforter is more feminine of a thing. So, great, maybe I think of Jesus as more feminine. Okay, there we go. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, Jesus was all things to people in the way that they needed them. And mm-hmm. if that's not your goal, you're you're just missing out. And that's, like, a frustrating thing. Yeah, there's been this, like, I think this thing of, like, the Catholic man bro podcast or i don't know the catholic woman (laughs) is like maybe a little bit of a uh of a like response to like what we've seen in our society lately of like just uh, i'm I'm not trying to get into this necessarily but just like the ideas of like 
um, sex and gender, these kinds of things. And like, there's been this hardcore, like polar opposite response from maybe Catholics or Christians of like, Oh no, okay. It's very rigid. Like I'm a man. I drink beer all the time. Or, you know, it's like, it, it, it was born out of maybe a response to these things. And it's like, no, you're kind of, you're, you're still missing the point. I don't know. I'm, I'm being a dead horse at this point, honestly. So. No, I, I hear you. And I, I hope our listeners hear us, <laughs> it, you know, spend a lot of time on that. And I think it's super important that people kind of reflect on those questions as well. I want to say a 10 second qualifier, which is that I haven't like, I don't read a ton of stuff from like blessed is she, but even, even though I was like kind of making fun of Catholic outlets that have like woman or man or he or she in the name, I think their stuff has been like great (laughs) from what I've seen and read. Like my wife will send me stuff sometimes and I'm like, this is awesome. Like, and I don't, it doesn't have, at least the stuff she sent me doesn't have anything about like as a woman, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just been really good stuff. And so anyways, I don't want to, I don't want to dunk on people other also who are like doing genuinely good things. No. And I think, I think it's important too, to, to note on, on top of that, that yes, we might have our disagreements with, and we might critique certain ministries or certain individuals. Um, but they also are trying to do God's work and they're also trying to, um, come to an answer. And if you're someone that identifies with that and can find truth and find the truth through that, uh, then all to you, as long as you continue to live a charitable and, you know, God centered life. Exactly. Well, sweet Ben. Um, if you have anything else about men and women and, romantic relationships otherwise i've got maybe one last topic to go on to no i think we covered a lot about romanticism there's one a couple scriptural things i'd like to say just to tie a tie a night knot on uh kind of the romantic relationships and one of them is that i think sums it up really well is actually from a reading from the book of tobit and it's actually a, a choice that at a Catholic wedding, uh, people can choose as one of their readings. And it's the final, it's near the end of the, of the book. And it's Tobiah and Sarah, and they're, they just got married, and they're about to essentially sleep together for the first time. And they get up and they pray together before they like consummate their marriage and it's this really beautiful passage and if you're cool with it i'd love to read it this is one of my favorites yes absolutely it's so beautiful okay let me let me go forward here on their wedding night tobiah rose from the bed and said to his wife sister get up let us pray and beg our lord to have mercy on us and to grant us deliverance sarah got up and they started to pray and beg that deliverance might be theirs They began with these words, Blessed are you, O God of our fathers. Praised be your name forever and ever. Let the heavens and all your creation praise you forever. You made Adam, and you gave him his wife Eve, to be his help and support. And from these two the the human race descended. You said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make him a partner like himself. Now, Lord, You know that I take this wife of mine not because of lust, but for a noble purpose. Call down your mercy on me and her, 
and allow us to live together to be a happy old age. They said together, Amen, Amen. And then it's presumed that after that, you know, they go back to bed and consummate their marriage and everything. And so what I love about this passage is I think there's three points that it sums up. The first one is, he, you know, Tobias says, sister, get up. And then he, in his prayer, he quotes the story of Adam and Eve, and it establishes this equilibrium between the two, that in a relationship, you are equals. You're not, you know, one is not to dominate the other. Uh, they are to be together right. and uni- unified. The second thing they do is they give it all to God. You know, I think kind of like we talked about in Christ, Christ-like friendships, where it has to be Christ-centric, so does your romantic relationship. You know, I mean, God is still first, and then the other. And when we do that, there's so many graces that come from that. Just as they're, you know, asking about it, you know, they're, they're, if you put God first and ask for his blessings, he will bless your marriage and your relationship abundantly. Yep. Uh, you know, he says, call down your mercy on me and her and allow us to live together to be a happy old age. It's just so beautiful because he's essentially saying, God, we know that you are the reason that we're able to come together and be in a relationship. Uh, we're imitating the first man and woman that you ever created. And we're trying our best to be and reclaim that perfectness that you kind of created us in. I think it's just a great example of what marriage is supposed to be or what a romantic yep. relationship is supposed to be. Um, there's a reason they use it at weddings. I'm pretty sure Jules and I are going to use it at our wedding. Nice, cool, um, beautiful. But that was you know, just kind of a scriptural tie that I'd like to put on. Uh, yeah. That that talk on re- romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There's even something I wanted to add from, I, I wish I could, my computer died on me as I can't remember it. I would look it up, but it's in the nuptial blessing and something about those. I'm really going to butcher this. So this is an invitation to people who are listening to this to look up Catholic nuptial blessing wedding. And uh, it, this, the, in the blessing, they talk about like God making men and women and there's an important emphasis on the equality of them. And I, I think that this scripture points to that. I think the Catholic wedding mass points to that. Like, yeah, just your point about not dominating one or the other. Like we're meant to be equal joint. Oh, and that's what it is. Joint heirs to the, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, wish I, I think it's something about joint heirs. Anyways. Yes. You should look it up. It's good. That's awesome. And the other scriptural passage that I'd like to talk about is Galatians 6.2. And I bring it up because I think it's related to the transgender and, you know, gender dysphoria and gender and sex discussions and things that are going on in, in culture. And I think it's a nice reminder that when we're in relationship with people, who might be struggling with this or um, might have perceived this in their own life, that we keep this in mind. Uh, and that's Galatians 6.2. It says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You know, people may come after me, 
<laughs> for suggesting that transgenderism is a burden. Um, but I think that there is a, a burden that people are experiencing and we need to be able to walk with them and accompany them through that burden, however it may present itself, mm. uh, and do it in a charitable manner. And mm. I think that's how I wanted to tie that scripture piece into what we were talking about. Right on. Yeah. Right. I mean, even uh, this is, this isn't exactly your point, but to like extend it, it's like marriage is a burden. <laughs> it really, it like yes. life is a, life is a burden. Relationships are burdens. Like every day I am called to take up the burden of the self-sacrifice that I need to partake in as part of being in a marriage. It is not easy. Oh, there was even, oh, this is kind of funny. It, in another, I think, Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast, I think they talk about this because one of the priests is Byzantine Catholic and something like in their Catholic wedding ceremony, there's a moment where, oh, is it Byzantine or is it like one of the Russian Catholic? They give each other, I think, a crucifix. Like it's part of the ceremony and it's hmm. symbolic of, I am giving you this, like, here is me presenting you the cross of Christ. Like by you getting into this marriage with me, like you are going to be crucified. Like, do you know what you're signing up for? Like, sorry, once again, not trying to make this so serious, but there's like a lot of joy to it for real too. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, like I am, I get to feel this burden every day. <laughs> it's like, this sounds like insane. Like this sounds literally crazy to someone who like, isn't Christian or Catholic. Like it really does, but it's like, a joy to get to experience this and uh and 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 experience it so like explicitly like i am in a perpetual state of being married and i will perpetually be carrying my cross and that gift was bestowed to me eight months ago and i'm gonna have that until i die and i'm so happy about it like it's a it's a weird thing to say and i i hope someone listens to this and it's like what are you talking about? Cause it's like kind of a point, <laughs> which is great. And I hope you get to experience that in your relationship too, Ben, or, or maybe it's more, more, uh, material for prayer, but that was a cool thing. I, I was praying about a lot when I was engaged. So, no, I love that. I love that, Ben. Yeah. Well, to go into the very last portion of this, which at least in my head, I don't have a whole lot here. I just kind of want to keep it brief, but, um, friendship because that's a relationship that we have in our lives is friends and i don't want to do too much here because we did a whole episode on christ-like friendships but i kind of want to pick your brain a little bit too about what is the benefit or purpose or uh what's the excitement of a friendship ben like especially like this is maybe you're going to be a hard question but if i have my wife why do i need friends like why can't she be my friend and I've got, there we go, got my friend who's also my wife, and there we go. Like, what benefit is it to me to have friends who aren't, <laughs> to have friends that I'm not married to? <laughs> Great question. Well, first, I want to highlight that I think your spouse should be your best friend. I think right, that's, yes, totally agree. I mean, friendship is a huge part of falling in love right. and uh, loving your, your spouse. Um, to answer your question, though, about having friendships outside of marriage i have two kind of thoughts the first one is practical and the second one is more uh, philosophical and the first one from a practical sense is you're lying to yourself if you think your your spouse loves everything about you uh 
you guys are not you're complimentary you're not the same uh there Ooh, are things that they like that you don't like there are things that you like that they don't like yeah and you need to be able to indulge in those things from time to time um and be allowed to have a community in which you share that desire with uh, and so kind of back to this idea of complementary versus an exact copy. You should be supportive of your spouse or partners, the things that they like to do or just enjoy that you may not, uh, as long as it's virtuous or, or um, as long as it's healthy in some way. You know, I'm not going to, if my spouse were to, you know, really like... Uh, Oh, here's a practical example. So if, if my spouse likes to smoke and I, I don't like to smoke and there's clear disadvantages of smoking, you know, I'm, that might be a bit more serious. I might, you know, discuss that and <laughs> I wouldn't want them going off with all their friends to go smoke, uh, you know, <laughs> but yes, maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's, maybe that's nitpicky. But, you know, if, if my spouse likes to play basketball. You know, and I don't like playing basketball, which is a lie. I love basketball. Uh, but if my spouse likes playing basketball and I don't like playing basketball in this hypothetical, I think that they should be able to enjoy that because they've found joy in this reason. And ideally that joy points them towards God or, or directs them towards God in, in some way. Uh, and just because we don't enjoy that doesn't mean we should restrict them from being able to, to do that. Yes, right. I kind of melded the two together, the practical sure. and the philosophical there. Right. It's a fascinating question. I, I think you gave a great answer, honestly. Like, you're getting to kind of experience the... Well, here's here's kind of, I think, a great, hopefully complimentary sentence to... Or idea to what you just said. is like, by you having other friends besides your spouse, you are bringing into reality the fact that like your spouse is not your end like you are not made to just be married like mm -hmm. you 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 are not supposed to complete your circle like <laughs> you're back to this gk chesterton thought like if it's just you and your spouse you are you are trapped you know you are especially if you don't have god is maybe the more relevant point here but like if you are limiting yourself to that's the only relationship I can have some authenticity within and experience God within. Yeah. You're living, you're just limiting yourself and, and it's, you're not experiencing the multifaceted nature of God, all the different creative ways that uh, God brings about his beauty in the world. And uh, yeah, I, I hope I'm making some sense here because it's kind of tricky, but it's like, there's some sort of, difference in how like i can like i can grow closer and closer in friendship to like my brother or something and i can also grow closer and closer in friendship and relationship to like my wife and having both of those is great and good and we need that and like they're different relationships by by nature but uh they can grow. They both do not have like limits to how much they can grow or something like that. And yes. Yeah. Is that making sense? That makes I feel like I'm, sense to me. I feel like I'm not 
but that's because this is great that it makes sense to you because yeah <laughs> each each relationship is unique in its own way and we need it because each relationship offers us something that the other relationship can't necessarily yeah yeah like yeah I mean, my my relationship with my my spouse is going to be very different than my relationship with you but yeah i have many many blessings in both of those relationships right will continue to grow but i'm not going to share an intimacy with you that i share with my yeah spouse exactly yeah you know but but i might share a different sort of intimacy with you um just by the nature of our relationship than i would with my my future spouse right right it's like by widening your circle of uh, friends and relationships like that you have, you're, you're, you're getting a taste of the, you're breaking yourself out of this shell. You're break, you're, you're experiencing the infinite love and infinite relationship goodness that God provides. Like you're getting tastes of it. Like you, you will never experience it, but experiencing it by having 8 billion friends, but you will like you, you, you just get more and more of a taste of it. If you are actively trying to keep your, self open your social circle open and grow in depth of friendship with people as well mm. beautiful oh good i because i really feel like i'm just like just making no sense here maybe because like some of the i need to i like some of these ideas like i want to pray with more or something or it's like i i i get i get the idea but i want to flesh it out more or something i think that's the main thing i just want more of a grasp on it but i think it's making some sense so it's good to hear that you are at the very least getting it too ben so thank you you know what if they if they don't like it or don't understand it they'll just stop listening yeah if you stop listening right now then joke's on you because we're about to wrap this up so so don't stop listening (laughs) i would be remiss if I didn't get an opportunity to give a shout out to our sponsor, St. <laughs> John. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what does St. John have for us today, Ben? I think St. John has the most or the most beautiful way of summing up relationships. You find it elsewhere, but we're going to take it from John. <laughs> uh, and that's John fifteen thirteen, For there is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. Being missionaries, you know, being uh, on mission and, and living a life or a culture of mission in our everyday relationships, that's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, we're mm-hmm. trying to, in some way, give of ourselves right. for, our, for our friends. We think of lay down one's life as this martyrdom, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be, what are you doing that uh, you are giving up something in order to benefit or in order to give to a friend and to mm-hmm. make them better and to, uh, to help them achieve something better. Uh, and I think that is kind of the summation of relationship when I think about it as a whole. Yep. Spot on. It's beautiful. Self-sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So thank you, St. John. Thank you, St. John. Once again, thanks for the money, St. John. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait for that check to be cashed in. Yeah. <laughs> ben, did you have any final 
challenge. I don't know the right word. Any final invitation? Ah, yeah, invitation's weird. Challenge is the word I'm going to go with for everyone listening. I, I do have a challenge. I do have a challenge today. Uh, my challenge for our listeners is to think about a relationship that they're in. It's very similar to the challenge that we gave for uh, Christ-like friendship. Mm-hmm. I want you to think of a relationship that you're in. And I want you to think uh, it could be romantic, it could be friendship, it could be platonic, you know, you name it. And I want you to think about that friendship and ask yourself, how am I laying down my life for this friend? And especially as we move into this Lenten season, uh, I think it's important that we continue to think about this sacrificialness within our relationships. Mm. Um, Are we laying down a piece of us for our friends? Um, We we may not be called to every day. We may may not be called to in grand ways. It may be small. Um, But I just want you to think about that as a listener. And then I want you to say a prayer for that person. And to to pray that that sacrifice, that giving of yourself in some way, uh, is laid at the foot of the cross and beatified exponentially beyond what we could imagine by Jesus Christ himself. That's my challenge. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, Ben, this this has been great. Uh, uh, For all our listeners, this has been Ben's on a Mission. I'm Ben. I'm Ben as well. And we hope that you have a great rest of your day. God bless y'all. Thank you so much.